Welcome to Orophonic, a podcast about podfic. This month's episode is going to be a recap of podfication, which was the really fun podfic con that was held in October in Minnesota. And I have with me this month two people who also went to the con with me, um, who will be guest hosting. Say hello to... Rosandopod. And is Sweden. And me, Pedica. But before we get into the awesomeness that is that con, we have a little bit of news to go through first. I'm sure a lot of you guys are aware that ITPE is in progress. The list of everyone's, like, dear Podficker letters is going to be coming up soonish. And then there's also, while actually the con was happening, we got news that Unique POV, who's been a member of the Podfic community for a while now, mm-hmm. she was actually in a car accident and was really badly hurt, and she's got some time to recover. So Fire Juggler arranged a DreamWidth com called Unique POV-Love, and I'll link to it in the links for the episode. And people are creating Podfix to help Unique POV get through their recovery time. So it'd be great if people could check that out and throw in some podfix if you have any. The next item is definitely a huge work in progress. It's something coming from me. As many of you guys know, Pedica Productions has been down for new podfickers for almost a year now. I kind of got told by my hosting company that I already have too much stuff on there. And so to try and protect the stuff that's up there, I haven't been allowing new pod figures on. And then badly timed a few months later, the audio fic archive went down. And it's been a bit hard for new pod figures to get their stuff hosted. And as a result, I'm trying to create a, a new website on podfic.com that will be like an open place to be able to host your podfix and have uh, streaming available with that hosting. I have some pre-made software that I'm trying to force into being a good kind of archival software for podfic. It's going to take some work. It's not done yet, but I just wanted to let people know that that is something that hopefully is coming soon and it will be open hosting for everyone once it's up and running properly. If you'd like to volunteer to help, I am super (laughs) looking for help. It's kind of a big project. So one of the main things that we're talking about right now that is just figuring out how we want, because the software that I'm using is made for music libraries. And we want to try and translate the fields in a way that makes sense to Podfic. So I've had a couple of people volunteer on Twitter, but more are always welcome to talk about how we want to organize that and just probably putting up some test case to see how well it works. Coming up with a list of like, this is the stuff that works. This is the stuff that absolutely needs to be changed for this site to be useful. And then also probably a list of this would be nice to have. So I can turn around to the developer and ask them, how much is it going to cost to have you code this? Because I don't have those skills. And I don't think (laughs) there's too many intense Joomla coders in Podfic Phantom. So I think it might be better to just pay someone to do it. So tied up with that. Bessie Boo and I are going to be organizing as a sort of fundraiser a Podfic Tits calendar, mm-hmm. yes. which is something that has long been asked for <laughs> since we've had Podfic Tits be a thing on, on Twitter. Someone commented that we'd make a really good calendar. So if you are interested in modeling for the calendar, um, let us know. Or if you'd be interested in buying it, there'll be more details coming soon. For now, I just wanted to give that information. 
There probably will be more requests for fundraising in the future, but I want to get a better idea of of figures and all of that before I open it up for people just throwing money at me, (laughs) because I think we all would love a website that could... Searchable, streamable, yeah, kind of made for us a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Like one of the things that I'm super excited about it is it has like built in that when you do a search, it shows like the cover art. God, yes. I wish you could have that on AO3. Exactly. So oh my God. I can't make any promises how amazing this is going to end up being. It might be too expensive for us to work with. But regardless, any money that we do make through the Podvic Tits calendar, which we're kind of pushing through now because no one wants to buy a calendar in June, <laughs> at the very least, any of the money that I get from that would go towards opening hosting up for everyone. So at the very least, I promise to have that. Anyways, I think that's it for the news. So I'm going to move to talkbacks. And there was one comment that was left on the cover art episode that we didn't get to last month. I apologize originally. It was a written comment, so... All right, originally says, I finally got around to listening to this month's episode, and I wanted to comment on where to find resources and also about credit. I'm really meticulous about crediting my resources because I think it's important. We credit the author. We would not podfic the work of someone who refuses permission. We credit cover artists if they're not us. Why don't we credit the original photographer or the person who took the time to make the screen cap? I use Flickr a lot to find images for cover art. You can narrow down the search options a lot, e.g. by color, and you can also narrow it down by rights which photographers have given permission for their work to be redistributed, modified, etc. This goes hand in hand with my desire to credit appropriately and not to use artwork that people have asked not to be used. I think that's a great idea. I know I am personally bad at it because I always just find images on Google image searches. Yep, same. I, this is originality is definitely going for best practices here, which is lovely. Yeah. It is worth doing because, like, actually, um, a podfic that I posted, like, a month ago or so, it was a 616 Marvel Comics-based fic. Mm -hmm. And I went and Googled, and I found a picture that I was pretty sure was from the comics. And then someone left me a comment, and I'm like, shit, did I just steal someone's fan art and not realize it? And I went through this big spiral of, like, shit, did I do that? And it turns out I didn't. It was from the comics. But, like, that's a panic no one wants to have. And following best practices would have saved me from that. Yes, I definitely never want to do finding people's fan art and using it. But, whoo, the line between it sometimes. Yeah. I think I'm probably, like, kind of shifting what I'm doing. Because after the cover art episode, I've been thinking that I've always kind of made cover art. Like, I've had it, like, on my own podfic post, but a lot of surprise cover art for other people. And then it just kind of ends up living, like, on my Tumblr or, like, in the comment section of wherever I left it. I should make AO3 posts with my cover art because it is a fan work. And I think that if I were doing that, I'm, like, now, like, thinking about this as adding it to a, like, podfic post. It's, like its own thing so i'm like more likely to like list credit even if it's google image alphabet letters numbers whatever because then at least there's something that's like this is where i found this Mm -hmm. i've definitely had people make cover art for me and have it in their own post like growlery did that for one of my teen wolf podfics then you get the little inspired by at the bottom that you can click through and 
that's one of the things that AO3 is really great for, of having like the interconnectivity of fan works. But yeah, I definitely suggest that people go and post their cover art if that's what they're doing, because it's so important. And I think one of the things that came out of that cover art episode, and even just tying back to like what I was saying above about a potential feature on podfic.com when it comes about of having cover art front and center in like a search like I was suggesting is amazing and really useful to a lot of people. But it's, there's already so much stress of like pod figures have to be so multi-talented in order to produce their pod fic that having to then be graphic artists on top can be really intimidating or too much to ask. So it's not something that we have to have. But if people are out there having it be a recognized secondary fan work of a pod fic of cover artists coming along and doing it, I think would do a lot to like increase the acknowledgement for cover art while also like decreasing pod stress about possibly making cover art you know yeah i definitely don't want anyone to ever feel like they have to make cover art that's like the opposite of the thing (laughs) (laughs) i'm definitely for that of just making it more like a it's great if you do if you don't like someone else might make one it might never happen like all of these options are fine I'm not very visually stimulated when it comes to art and stuff like that. I find it hard. And I totally just like read a meta post where someone convinced me that, yep, all pod fix need cover art. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm learning Photoshop. And all of my very limited cover arting skills have been learned because I definitely felt like I just had to do it. And I enjoy it now. I'm still not amazing at it, but I enjoy it more than I thought I was going to when I first started making it. But yeah, people shouldn't feel obligated like I kind of did. (laughs) And Originality has a good kind of point about using the creative comments and stuff on Flickr. Although Google also has a limiter for that because it can kind of inspire you to when you have limits to what you can use to Mm. go in a different, more creative direction with how you use it. So that's a nice thing. For sure. Okay. Do we want to move on to the main topic, which was podfication? Yes. Yay. Oh my god, guys, I had so much fun. Oh man, it's so it was just to like connect names with faces, podfix with names. Like this happened with Isweden where I like, oh, that's a familiar name, but I didn't connect what podfic you had made until we were doing guess that podfic and then oh. like I heard your podficking voice and I was like oh wait I love this thing <laughs> <laughs> and like that took like a solid day <laughs> oh as you kind of jump ahead there was a panel where they played clips of podfic and you had to guess if the room was divided into two teams and you could get points for guessing the fandom the podficker and the podfic title and that just made me realize, like, even though a lot of them were like, oh, I love this podficker, but I'm not able to put their name to their voice sometimes, which shocked me because a lot of the times I feel I can do that, but it's much harder. And it's I think it's also harder when you're listening to stuff over speakers when you're used to having it in your ears um, a little bit more directly, but... But yeah, that was that's something that I always experience every time I meet podfickers because I've gone out of my way to meet podfickers outside of podfication. And there's always that moment of like, ah, oh, your podfic voice. Yes. When you and Miss Marina95 were practicing one of your live readings, yeah. your voice went from your talking voice to your <laughs> podficker voice. And it was so trippy to hear that from the next room over. And I actually had the opposite comment for you, where I'm like, yeah. you actually spent the entire weekend talking in your podficker voice. 
I think my other favorite moment from that panel was Rena, like two or three times, literally two seconds of the podfic would play. And then she got fandom title and podficker. Like, she is in, the Hermione in, Granger of this. Yeah. It was insane. <laughs> and that's why Team Audacity won. Yeah, I was I was Team Garage Band, even though in my heart of hearts, I am Team Audacity. One thing I did want to say, like, fairly close to the beginning, is so much of a thank you to Revolutionary Joe and Bessie Boo for organizing podfication. Yes. They did so much work, and we love them so much for doing it. It was amazing. Yes. It came off so well, and it was so great. I hope that, that we really do get another shot next year, because I want to come every year. Yeah. There's another thing that I also wanted to mention in my thank yous. There was a lot of care for accessibility access there. Like half the panels were done in like half lighting because I'm really sensitive to fluorescence, which I was not expecting. And I really appreciated that people kept asking if I was okay and making sure that I was comfortable. I think they were probably doing that for other people as well. But it's always great when a con can take accessibility things that seriously. So I appreciated it. And KLB was the one that was often asking me about it. So special shout out to her. Are there any other general feelings we wanted to get in before we move on to specific panels? Yes. I'd love to say that the way that a lot of us stayed in local houses as Airbnbs, our guests of local fan people, was really fun. Yeah. I've never done a con that way before. And having a home base that you could really invite people to and walk through the parks to get to the building, it was very different. And I really liked it. Yeah. The one nice thing about a hotel is often everyone's in the same hotel, so then it's super easy to see everyone. But the nice thing about this is come over and hang out in the living room. And you had like much more casual, comfortable atmosphere than trying to shove 10 people We into. have couches and yeah. the kitchen. Yeah. Certainly with where it was located, I, it would have been a, a lot more pain in the butt to try and organize hotels around that because there would have been more of a commute so having airbnb has worked really well yeah and i think it also was really good because people could kind of figure out like what they wanted and what they needed out of where they were staying like vacillady and i were in an airbnb we just would go home fairly early and like just go right to sleep and that worked for us and then like other people were you know in bigger houses and like gathering more and stuff like mm -hmm. that so you could really like kind of cater what you needed i think another thing that was really neat about how it actually played out and it might not go the same in future years but it kind of just happened like i think klb was the first one that was like hey airbnb would work and then a bunch of people were like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And then like once it got full, the next person was like, okay, here's the new one. So it was kind of a first come, first serve instead of this is someone that I know really well. Let's And it meant that the houses were a bit more mixed bags of like yeah. people that I knew and people that I didn't know. Because like probably almost a third of the people that were there I had met in some capacity before. <laughs> but, you know, half the people that I ended up staying with at the Airbnb, I didn't. I hadn't met before. I'm trying to think. I think KLB was the only one in my house that I had stayed with before. Yeah, I'd, I'd never met Vassal Lady. It kind of made it that much easier to to get to know people. So, like, especially really small cons, it once they're more established, kind of become kind of clickish. Just of like, mm -hmm. here's all the people that have been before, and then the new person's like, oh wow, 
how do I enter? Who has room for me? Yeah, whereas the way this just happened to go, and again, I don't know if that would happen in a later year, but... I hope it will. Yeah, it was, I was not disappointed by it. I made new friends. Yes. Yes. Having, like, the Airbnb the Friday night with a bunch of people that were not strangers, but not people that I knew super well... I actually got super shy Saturday morning, and that's probably my biggest regret, that, like, I kind of got there and I felt like, you know, the nerd being thrown into the gym with all the cool kids, because pod figures are basically the coolest people ever in my head. (laughs) And so I kind of just sat there being like, oh shit, oh shit, there's so many cool people here! And I, like, wanted to hide. And I just got really, really shy, even though at the time I could acknowledge that that was kind of a ridiculous reaction because everyone was super nice. But that's still how I ended up feeling because emotions are not logical. Having known some of the people beforehand made it easier. And then having met like my Airbnb people, it made it a little bit easier to say hi to them. So it was just all of the other new people that I met on Saturday that were overwhelming. But it helped, you know, do it in stages. Yes, I, I would agree with that. It's nice to have like your roommates as sort of a, we've known each other for three more hours than the rest of these people. We're <laughs> allies, right? Yeah. <laughs> I also really like the like informal dinner before and after because like that was really cool for, for me, like, because I was just staying with one other person in my Airbnb. So it was like, both really overwhelming and really cool to walk into this restaurant that's like packed like mainly with pod figures oh my god there's like a were... few families on the, and then we it's just the like chairs. down the middle all pod figures and it was like i am here okay and then just kind of like getting thrown into that dinner and then being like okay this is happening and it's going to keep happening this is so exciting it was definitely like lovely to just be in that room and take over a restaurant type thing (laughs) but yes it was so lovely to get to see everyone and just like so many voices that i've listened for hours and hours to getting to put the face to it and just you know being able to tell someone how much their voice has meant to you like, that was really great. I, my, like, thing that I did on Saturday to try and get over my shyness, I'd, like, sidle up to someone and be like, I like your pod fic, and then try not to run away. <laughs> <laughs> but most of the people there I had interacted with on some level beforehand. But it didn't stop me from feeling shy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll do a quick overview, I guess, of some of the panels that happened. The first panel was vocal warm-ups, which I found super useful to have first thing in the morning. I kind of wish we had done it both mornings Mm -hmm. just to, like, do those exercises and get yourself up and ready to be talking all day. Get rid of some of your dignity first thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I liked about it. (laughs) (laughs) There was definitely a lot of, like, suggestions of how to do it. Like, Opal Song had, like, a whole list of vocal warm-ups to try. I liked... I'm trying to remember who did it. Was it someone said, sorry, I'm not remembering specifically, that what they do is they keep a list of like the sentences that they stumble over when they're recording. They'll like copy them and put them into a warm up list and they'll just try and read those like stumbly lines, which seems a little like harsh on yourself, but also like something we could all probably, we all have those lines that were like, God damn you, why did you have so much alliteration? I took a couple of pictures. I think it was Opal Song who brought in like the printed list of actor warm-ups. I will never use them, but I have a picture of it. Yeah, I think like one of the issues 
that I have with recording Podfic these days is I have like such an elaborate setup. The thought of adding vocal warm-ups to it on top of it means that I would just record a lot less. Like I'm already recording a lot less. I just don't do as much off-the-cuff stuff or read and be like, I want to record this now because it seems like such a production to record. There's certainly some days where it's like, I feel I need a vocal warm-up, but I don't know how much of it would like stop me from recording. And I think that was a fairly common sentiment from it, everyone who was It was, like, <laughs> yeah. Some people even were talking about how they like had time and energy for, for vocal warm-ups, but they were like, no, 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 that limits my recording time because it powers out my voice faster or like yeah. my voice does a different thing. And I like the way it sounds when it's not warmed up versus when it is warmed up. So it was like also a technique for some people. My comfort zone for Podfix used to be about 10K, which that's super easy to do in a single sitting. But lately I've been moving to much longer stuff and it's doing like 30K or 70K in one sitting. It's just not advisable. No. (laughs) You can definitely tell, like, when I get to the end, like, as I start croaking, it's like, you know, I should have done this in two. So I definitely can feel on that level of, like, there's a limit to how much talking I can do at once and how much I can use my voice at once. And the next one they had was off-roading experimental podfic. And I will give a shout out to, like, one of my favorite people, Lunate 8 is like my queen of experimental, like off-roading type podfic. She just does some very cool things and she's very much into, you know, giving that atmosphere. Like she had recorded like one podfic during a rainstorm just standing on her doorstep because there was rain in the podfic. Or like there's another one that she did where it was like a Sherlock one. And it was all done while in the taxi. And I think she had Revolutionary Joe drive her around while she recorded it. Of (laughs) course. And then there was another story about how she, like, it was a character who was supposed to be, like, in a helicopter. Yeah. And she's just like, okay. And just starts, like, pounding her chest and reading the lines. I was in the room when she did that. Let me tell you, we all died. (laughs) And she's just like... (laughs) You're hardcore, Lune Day. You are hardcore. Was this the one, the one where we talked about the elements of Elements Pothic? of Pothic, yeah, that's the one. Because, yeah, they were just kind of talking about, like, what are the various things that make up a Podfic, and how could you be experimental ab- about it? But, like, some of the highlights were adding music and the ways that we could do it. One of the good suggestions that they had in there was using the karaoke versions of songs. A fascinating one I see is using auto-tune. Oh, yeah. I don't even know how readily available Auto-Tune is. I knew there used to be like silly little apps you could use for it, but I don't think they would be able to handle the kind of podfic we'd want to pump through them. Because <laughs> like the podfic tits duel that happened earlier this year and all of the participants, with the exception of Lavender Frost, who actually wrote the filk, were going to be at the con. And we all kind of looked at each other being like, do we want to do a live performance of this? And then we were all like rapping in front of people. (laughs) And then we kind of just all asked the question and no one said anything further. There's your answer. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like down for doing it, but my singing is not amazing. So auto-tune would need to be involved if we ever did a non-live version of it. 
Yeah, I just really liked the variety of ideas that came out of that panel. There were also like Podfic party games that came out of yes, it of like I do Podfic them. Twister and like, <laughs> you know, so you're like reading a fic and you, every time you draw a card to say like how you would read that line and like I don't entirely remember how Podfic Twister worked. But I was very intrigued. But there was like definitely the physical component where you were twisting around people yes. on a twister board. Yes. Um. Yes. So I think we're going to have to try and make that happen next year. <laughs> yes. My favorite thing about that panel, aside from how energized I came out of it, wanting to do all the things, was how they planned it on their whiteboard. Because KLB color-coded it. Yeah. And she started with the uh, the elements, and then she listed all of the different things people already have done with Podfix relationship to text, their use of source audio, yeah. And altered things. Do you remember the bit about alternate locations and how she was talking about, like, scavenger hunts? Yeah, audio scavenger hunt in person. I don't know what that means anymore. Well, she, like, one of the examples <laughs> that she had was doing, like, kind of like a, oh, was a it walking reality? tour or a museum tour one. Yeah. yeah, it was an augmented reality. But instead, it was, like, fanish stuff. Which, I mean, I've definitely done that thing where I've traveled with fangirls and been like, oh, remember that fic that took place here? Or, like, that canon that is filmed in this location and going around and finding the things? I think that could make for a fairly interesting pod fic, especially if you actually timed it to some form of walking tour. But I guess she was saying, like, it actually does exist. It's not necessarily fanfic po- slash podfic in the traditional sense but like places where you can go and download like walking tours that have augmented reality and you know you're reading about like zombies or whatever instead of what you're actually looking at but that would be a really cool way to approach doing podfic someone should do that for pod together next year i'm just saying pod together is good for experimental text relationships yeah like the first the first part that i actually have the most notes for is the relationship to text section and there's a lot of talk about like pod together is actually my first point in that list but it's like dialogue only no dialogue tags adding dialogue editing the work as you go which i think a lot of people do not necessarily intentionally or not as an experimental thing just like that sentence didn't make as much sense as you thought it did. <laughs> I have dropped words on purpose. Not that much. Yeah. Reordered yeah. sentences. But like a lot of the stuff that was in that section was stuff that's sometimes already been done. And it wasn't until we got into some of the other sections that it got more interesting or like more new meta that I hadn't run into. Like they were talking about different ways of incorporating visuals. And I liked Opal Song was talking about a community podfic that I was a part of. You think I would remember the name of, but I don't. Where there were like a bunch of reaction gifs in the fic. And so she like went and found the source material for those oh, reaction yeah. gifs yes. and incorporated the the audio from that. Like that's from such when a, they were still videos. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was such a cool way of going about it. Totally. Yeah. I'm looking at further notes that I have like, role-playing recording or like reality show style like i think that could be some really cool because there's like the not pod fix that are kind of just people sitting around throwing fic buddies at each other but i think there's also a lot of potential for pod fix that don't have a text when you start getting into those kind of performative things like role-playing and moving beyond the written medium type stuff in props 
they have listed as something no one has tried before. Use of lover for erotic purposes. <laughs> I do know there's at least one podficker that, like, said that they recorded themselves having sex with their partner and calling them the names in the fanfic. So no! they could use that bit um, in their podfics for more authenticity. <laughs> Well, that goes in use of acting style. <laughs> I mean, unless you want to consider Method. your partner a prop. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I know. Uh, that was not one that was called out during the panel. Someone wrote that afterwards. The, the person who does that was not at the con. So, but yes, I know that they talked about doing that on Twitter. Creative. Let's move on to the next panel, just because we're not going to get through all of them at this rate. Otherwise. No. no. Oh, yeah. The next one was the in-person Podfic Love Fest. That was so great to be in the room for. Positive as anything. Oh, my God. It was interesting, too, to see what clips people picked for themselves. You know, it was really nice to have nice things said to you <laughs> while you yes. were in the room. And I think that was at the point where we like went to low lights. And yeah. so it was, like, this transition from, like, fluorescent light, huge panel room until, like, suddenly became, like, very intimate. And we, it was just, like, really cool to, like, listen to each other. And that was also the first one that we had the chairs in a circle instead of in lines. That made a big difference, too. It was nice to see, like, people's faces as they were, you know, giving you feedback or receiving feedback. There were a lot of cute people who were fluttering at the nice things people were saying. And I think it's, like, really indicative, too, of the Podfic fandom because, you know, every place has wank occasionally. But overall, we're pretty positive and we're so encouraging and we just do try and keep positive around each other a lot that it wasn't like, you know, like I've been to VividCon where they have you watch a vid and then immediately afterwards people start talking about it. And it can be, like, it's a critique, so it's got positives, but it's also got negatives. And in this one, we were just like, nope, everything's happy. Yeah, I really liked that. And also the last panel of the evening, I forget what it was called, but it was, it was like reflection. Called like feelings faster. Yeah. Revelation, what podfic means to us. I missed most of that. I was so sad that I did because I had signed up to do a recording session during it. Yeah, no, I really liked that because it had a very, like, similar feel to the Podfic Love Fest, but it was love of Podfic and, like, the Podfic community. And so, like, it was a lot of people, like, telling their stories of, like, how they came to Podfic and how it changed their lives and, like, you know, who got them into Podfic and, like... Rina. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we literally, when Rita had to record so she came in late and we all just burst into applause when she came in because she her name had come up at least three separate times of people being like rena got me into Podfic," so that happened i loved that it was like this little dark room full of circle chairs and it was a feels circle about Podfic and giving us identity and a place and friends yeah and that's one of the things that made me so sad that i missed it because like literally Podfic has been like one of the biggest parts of my life for the last like six years and even before then but specifically like the last six years like it's made me cry it's made me laugh it's been like one of the most consistent things in my life like my roommates who are fanish but not that into podfic on their own like they know so much about podfic more than i think the average podficker might these days just because like that's all i would talk about all the time 
And they learned all of the stupid, like, politics that, that was going on in early years and, like, the wank and all of that and, and the happy stuff, too. But, like, it just, that was, like, such a perfect panel that was made for me that I was really sad that I missed it. One thing I have as something I'd love for future ones, although I don't know if it would ever work, because some things we say are just so weird or private and stuff, recording our panels for later release. I thought about asking that, especially since I had a lot of plans going in to record and interview people for Orophonic that just didn't happen. But I mean, I think the thing that would probably stop people from outright saying yes is just, I think more people might guard what they say if they know that they're being recorded. If it's permanent and broadcasted. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, not that anyone was saying anything bad. I think people are just a little more guarded when that happens, that it might Certainly. stop people from, from saying things. But yeah, like I think Podfic fandom being what it is, like this would be a fandom that would be a bit easier to broadcast over the internet if that's what we decided to do. We're good with my Although there were definitely times where we were talking over each other. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Another panel that they had on Saturday, most of the panels were on Saturday, was He Said, She Said, Exploring Character Voices. And I think, like, one of the things that was said most there was, color coding is your friend. Yes. Mm -hmm. That was certainly what Argentum Lupin was saying, and she's kind of the person that I think of most strongly when I think of someone doing character voices. And color coding. It's definitely <laughs> color coding, Yeah. It was cool to hear other people's approaches. Neat when they matched mine. Yeah. Fascinating when they didn't. I mean, I am someone who does not do character voices because I am not great at them. There was nice things in there that could work for people who want to do, like, a lazier character voice. I know, I think this is something even I said at the time, but, like, picking up on certain keywords and saying it as, like, the character does, like, the example I used was how Arthur always said Merlin. In Merlin. Merlin. Which is a little, like, not the emphasis that I would have. One of the things that was brought up was having, like, touchstone lines. Yes. That I thought was a really cool idea of, like, when I say this sentence, I really hear it in that character's voice. And you could use those as a shortcut for getting into a character's voice. I've done that before. And I was like, wait, that, that's a thing. That's the thing I do. I recognize yeah, it's definitely something that. I do as well. I mean, it's one of those things that, like, the longer I've been in a fandom, the more likely I am to have, like, set voices for them. And the fandom that I felt I had the best voices on them was American Idol. And some of my other fandoms just, I haven't, like, I don't think I've ever produced as much podfic in any other fandom as I did in American Idol. So just by pure volume, I got better at their voices that I kind of wish that I could have been that good in some of my other fandoms. Rhea had a thing at the end where she sampled how different readers did the voices of the same character, and that was a really neat part of that, because she did Styles uh, from Teen Wolf and Rodney from SGA. And she did a third person. Do you guys remember who it was? Yeah, yeah I don't remember. I don't either. Anyway, she had a really good point about sort of the fanon version of a character's voice, not only in the written word, but in how multiple different pod figures would read with the same style for something. 
Ethel did a piece of meta for one of the a potaware year a couple of years ago oh. where she talked about how people approached Derek Hale's voice. That was who it was, wasn't it? I think it might have been Derek Hale's Styles and Rodney. In Ethel's comparison, she was talking about how even though Tyler Hecklin has a fairly high voice, a lot of fandom read him in a growly way. Mm-hmm. And like in, yeah. in a lower voice, even though his voice, like if you're comparing like apples to apples, like his voice is higher than Dylan O'Brien's voices. She used m- one of my podfix as an example in that pod aware. And I mean, she ended up kind of saying the same thing I thought of when I first thought is it's not so much that we're comparing the actual tones of their voice, but more how they use their voice. And because Derek Hale is a growly character, it doesn't matter that his voice is actually higher than Dylan's, like that Tyler's voice is higher than Dylan's, because he's often speaking in the lower register of his voice, and that comes across in Derek. And so that's kind of what fans end up mimicking instead of like the actual tone of his voice, the intent behind his his voice of being like a darker, growly, lower voice. Yeah, just kind of like how in fic, word choice for characters is a form of characterization. Mm-hmm. Like for podfickers, the way you voice a character is a way that you characterize them. And it isn't necessarily like, oh, I need to match the source material. It's like, I need to match what this character is and like how they're, how they're saying this in this moment. And so exactly. I think that's how we develop those kinds of patterns. So like at one point when I was doing American Idol Podfix, someone m- left a comment be- saying, um, and this was outside of the Podfix fandom, it was, but I asked for someone for a critique and they said that I didn't have distinct enough character voices. So I went into this spiral of like trying to do better character voices. And one of the things that I actually sat there doing was listening to clips of Adam Lambert and Chris Allen talking, trying to figure out which one of them had a lower voice so that I could voice them that way. And then it kind of came out where it's like, for me, the way that I do it, I was like, that's a dumb way to approach it. Like one of the main reasons why I don't try and do specific character voices is that I find it very, like it limits the range in which I can read a character. If I'm trying to maintain that voice, I'm less able to do that when they're like being high and frantic and and low and tired and you know like I just lose some of that range and I would rather keep that range in than have like a consistent character voice that's what I ended up doing with Adam Lambert and Chris Allen like Chris is a much more like steady kind of guy and his range doesn't fluctuate that much Whereas Adam, who's a very dramatic guy, he would fluctuate all over the place. So what I ended up doing that giving them that character voice was working instead of in the actual tones and quality of their voice, I did it in how they used their voice. And so like Adam was someone who I would use the entire range of. I would go low, I would go high, I would do everything in between. Whereas Chris was much more like even keeled, this was how we talked. So you know, it's one of those things that there's different ways of looking at character voices and how you want to represent them. Totally. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. So the next panel that they had was cover art. I really liked the cover art panel because it was really cool because uh, Bessie Boo did a really good job of trying to kind of talk to a very like a range of people as far as like people like just starting out with cover art and like people who have been doing it for a while 
And it was just really cool to have a chance to like do podfic cover art meta. Bess and I had a conversation like after the panel as well, because like kind of how we were talking about it before, cover art can become like this kind of sub fan work. And then like you don't talk about it as much. It's just like, oh, this thing is here. And it's I spent like at least as long as I did editing practically like on this cover art. And I have like all these feelings about the things that I did and how like the code that's like on the screen is like translated from a line in the fic and things like that. And like there hasn't really been a space or like energy to like talk about that kind of thing. So I think that's one of the things I took away from that panel was wanting to have more like podfic cover art meta and, you know, tell each other what is really cool. And like, I don't know, I just really want to be able to talk about my process of cover art and like the things that I do that make me excited about the work that I create. Mm -hmm. For one of my uh, cover arts, the only Teen Wolf fic I ever did, I Googled and learned how to change colors of shirts. (laughs) And I did that in Photoshop. I changed Derek's sweater color to green, just like it was in the fic. And I mentioned that in my creator's notes, because I was proud. I've learned a thing. Yeah, sometimes you go and and put a lot of thought and effort into making it work. And it's just really great when when it's acknowledged. Totally. It's like English. Yeah. A lot of people wrote things that you don't need to look into it. And then sometimes you're like, no, no, no. Look into my symbolism. I put symbols. (laughs) Yeah, that was one of the really cool things that Bess did during the panel was um, she was showing some really good examples of podfic cover art. I don't have a background in design at all, but like Bess does a little bit and like UNF and people like that were like making a lot of connections about like sight lines and all kinds of different things that like I never think about because I just my graphics background is that I wanted things to make things. So I learned it. Um, And so it was really cool to like kind of talk about colors and what that means, like negative space and stuff like that. So it was, it was really interesting to like kind of get like in-depth analysis of this is what is going on in this podfic cover art. And Mm -hmm. I I think those were at least some that best did herself. So it was like her process. Mm -hmm. It was really great to, uh, this was something I feel we couldn't do via like a post on LiveJournal or Tumblr, because it was a lot of talking and a lot of pointing to visual examples. It, w- it went really great as a panel because of that. And that's the kind of thing that I really hope, like, if slash hopefully when we continue to have these podfications or other podfic gatherings, that we can kind of get into some of that. Like, you know, as a podficker, I don't necessarily want to spend my time researching how to do things I have gone and looked up like how to do stuff like change the color of the shirt type thing that you mentioned, how to like get this thing to wrap the way that I want. But a lot of the time I already have an idea in mind and I just want to implement it. But like coming up with ideas, coming up with like how to best represent this story in visual form, like that kind of meta, I would love to have more of and stuff at these kinds of gatherings so that we can kind of get us beyond some of the 101 levels and into stuff that we hadn't thought about, but have it like delivered to us like nice and neatly. So then we can start thinking about it without having to go and research it ourselves. Yeah, I think that's something that someone's put out there for like the future panel is like having a screen up and like 
showing each other editing styles. Yeah. Because I think like that's yeah. one of the most challenging things of we talk about like our editing styles a lot, but it's it's weird to talk about it because it is like such a visual and like auditory, but not in like a explainy way. Yeah. And it's so interesting because like everyone seems to have their own unique like setup and things like that. So like I think yeah. that would be really cool to just go and like watch a bunch of people edit and how they do it and like pick up little things from them. Yeah. Especially like, you know, there's a bunch of people that do visual editing and there's a bunch of people who do not understand how you can do visual editing. Part of it, like you just seeing someone do it might actually get you over that roadblock. And also, like, I mean, I think there is a lot of it where you just, as a pod faker, spend a lot of time with your voice and learning it and how you do things. I, but I think sometimes seeing how other people do it can maybe get you to change some of the things that you do that might make it easier for you going forward. 100% here for that. So there's kind of like only a few more panels. So let's get the next one named, which was Podfic Big Bang and the Ways of Epic Podfic. Opal Song was running it, right? Yeah. 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 It was an amazing look into Opal Song's brain. Um, <laughs> which is made out of Excel spreadsheets, by the way. <laughs> Opal Song slash Excel OTP. Yeah. I mean, Podfigure slash spreadsheets yeah. is a pretty strong OTP for me in general. I mean, yeah. she did a cool job of talking about Podfic and making like it a very inclusive definition of rather than being like, this is a long Podfic. It was like, whatever is long Podfic to you is long Podfic to you. So, like, she was showing us spreadsheets from, like, a million-word series that she's working on that was very in-depth. But she was like, a 5,000-word, a 10,000-word podfic can be really long to you, even if that, to me, is super short. Some of the strategies that we talked about, like, in terms of recording long things can be applied to that. Like, we talked a lot about streamlining your process and, you know, just kind of letting a lot of the like nitpicky things that when you're like editing something that only going to be 10 or 20 minutes you can like be really meticulous about how long your breaths are and like you know make sure that there's absolutely like no like mess at all whereas it's like okay if you're in like hour eight of like a 15 hour pod fic and like a name gets flipped but you know what's going on you're not going to go back and do a re-record or anything like that you're just going to be like you've been in this for eight hours you're, you're fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so it was like kind of good advice as far as trying to like let go of all that yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's definitely something that i've always felt about re-records because generally when i try and do re-records they sound horrible and actually in the last podfic that i posted enigma like there was like a Jewish term that I just butchered and I'm like, this is kind of offensive to leave it that butchered, but it also is very clearly a re-record. <laughs> but in general, I've always just been like, you know what? I think you understand what I'm saying. You can deal with the mess up. Because <laughs> I know like with shorter stuff, sometimes when I've like realized I need to do a re-record, I actually have just re-recorded the entire podfic. Yep. Yep. Done it. Yeah. And another thing Opal Song set up really well was especially when you're working on such a big project, set up your code as you go so that when you get to the end, you get to just post rather than being like, and now I need to code everything. Mm. And so that simplifies her process a lot. She has like all of the links already typed up and like everything in like HTML so she can 
just like cross post it like across live journal and dream with and things like that and so that helped her process as well yeah uploading your files as you go especially for long stuff i could see making yeah. a big difference because like you know ftps aren't always the fastest so if it's going to take you like 10 hours to upload your gigabyte file like that can be kind of a damper on posting so we already kind of covered the revelation of what podvik means to us which means the last panel we haven't really talked about was betas. Do you guys use betas on your podfix? No. I haven't yet, no. I tried to beta for someone else once for Greedy Dancer when she was doing her very long fandom fic, Mm -hmm. and I found out that I did not know what I was doing as a beta and felt I was not very good at it, which is why I attended this panel. (laughs) That is a big thing for me, too, and, like, I genuinely love podfic so much that, like, I'm just really bad at, like, ever saying something less than positive about it. I acknowledge that so much about podfic is subjective that I just kind of feel like the few times I've volunteered to be a beta, I've always kind of been like, "Mm, that's not your place when that's actually the role of a beta. But I just, like, it's been so ingrained in me to not be critical of other people's podfics. And I genuinely don't want to be critical of other people's podfics, that it can be a little bit harder. Some of the stuff that they were talking about there went beyond, like, the basic just like listening to it once it's over but even just like stuff helping as you go of like you know adding music suggestions like i hate adding music i find that really hard to do having someone be like you know what would really work here this makes me want to have a beta a lot more than the idea on the onset had yeah i think kind of in the room there was like a lot of people who were like i normally don't use betas but when i'm doing something like a little bit experimental for me I'll try and get a beta to just have someone to bounce ideas off of and to be like, hey, does this work? Mm-hmm. And I think the other theme was communication. Yeah. Figuring out what kind of beta you are, what kind of beta you want as you're working in that relationship of there are people who can be like really meticulous and like be like catching absolutely everything. But you need to make sure you're pairing like that kind of beta with like a pod figure who wants that out of their beta because yeah. otherwise you're just going to be like very upset and sad. One of the things that Andy said that I was like, oh, that, that seems so important, is she said she always listens to it once without any beta thoughts, just to, like, figure out what's going on. And then in the second listen is when she actually starts writing beta notes. If someone's doing, like, an interesting take on a character voice, it might be because there's something in the story that calls for that interesting take. So commenting on it as you go might not always be the most useful thing. But I think Andy was like the only one that said they did that. Almost everyone else that they've commented on first listen. But Terika, if I need a podfic beta, where could I go for one? <laughs> could there be a Twitter out there that might be able to help me? Yes. Yes, there might. <laughs> During that panel, I started my seventh Twitter account. But it is at Podfic Beta, because one of the comments that continually came up was people were like, I might be interested in a beta, but I don't know how to find one. So if you would like a beta, you can tweet at Podfic Beta, and that account will retweet and try and help you find a beta for your Podfic. New resource. I came very close to using this yesterday, because I'm using an echo effect to to do a dream sequence in my current Podfic. I'm like... I don't know if this will work for other people. But then I reached the 100 and 10% done 
point. <laughs> so. Betas are not useful then. And there's just, like, a lot of other things that were in there that, like, it could be useful to have, like, a beta, especially early on, and even for, like, really short stuff that you might be more willing to go and re-record stuff for, where they were talking about, like, you know, canon-specific questions of, like, so, I haven't watched this source material, how do you pronounce this character's name? And you got a name drop in that, Sweden, because I forever use your bandom post about how to pronounce Frank's name, Jamia's name. Yep. Yep. I think another cool suggestion that came out of that as far as betas was the idea of multilingual beta, but in the way of like sitting in the room with them and like being in the same physical location so that like, as you're reading, you can have who's fluent in the language that you're trying to say, correct you. So you don't have to like, record send it off to a beta and then get it back and then like have to keep trying that sounds like the best luxury that's one of the things that i have loved most about meeting up with pod figures and like plunking a mic down and just recording in a circle is you end up with a lot of that like you read a sentence or you start stumbling over a word and someone's like this is how you pronounce it probably the thing that i am most interested in having would be someone like a director who's there as i'm recording and be like wait try saying it with this emotion instead. Like, that seems super cool to me. But that's a pretty intense beta <laughs> um, relationship to go into. I don't know if there's many people that have outside of something like Theatropod. So I guess the the last thing to really talk about was there was live performances on Sunday, and that was neat. There was a lot of people recording funny stuff, and I loved how into the acting Black Glass got in her performance with Rena. Like, she was doing the faces, and it was sending memos back and forth, so they both had laptops open in front of each other and were, like, mashing on the keyboard as they talked to give that impression. (laughs) It was great. I really enjoyed the live Ghostbusters uh, podfic panel that I was on because KLB, like, committed fully to Holtzman and like crawled over my lap at one point and it's like <laughs> I'm like excited to hear the recording but I think it was also just like it was a very like physical performance in a lot of ways where there was just like a lot of like things that were happening where there's just like audience laughter when the audio comes out it will just be like and random laughter yeah. um, but I really enjoyed that to just kind of get that experience it was like a lot more like closer to like acting than voice acting in the way that we do things yeah did you guys do any like recording on the side for those that weren't there there were like three rooms there was like a hangout room there was the panel room and then there was a recording room and so there were a bunch of stories that got recorded while panels were happening so i had done one that rena had that was a large multi-voice project it looked like a steve bucky avengers podfic Were you guys involved in any? No. I actually didn't do anything except for the live podfig panel. Um, I just kind of was like, take it in. And then, like, I'll talk about this a little bit in my podfig rec, but, like, since podfication, I've actually done a lot more group recordings because of, like, the Boston contingent has gotten together a little bit and done a few things. That's a nice thing to come out of, the panel. Finding your local fangirls. Yeah. I was down for being in more but i like didn't want to miss any of the panels so i didn't i signed up for one other one i'm trying to remember even what it was 
Oh, there was one, um, a texting one back and forth where Tony was like kind of the dad of the young Avengers. But I probably would have done more like back at the house at the end of the day had we not been organizing some of them to be recorded then. But like, I just wasn't willing to miss the panels. I think I'd actually recording at the houses might have been better. I want to hear how KLB's Brooklyn Nine-Nine one that she recorded at our Airbnb went. Because I'm pretty sure it was quieter there than it was at the con space. <laughs> oh my god, so there was like a church. Like a rock band church. Yeah, that had like the loudest music. And then they had the audacity to come over and ask us to be quiet. When like we oh, could barely oh, hear ourselves yeah. think. Like, I think Bessie Vu would have like actually stabbed them had she been the one to answer the door. <laughs> <laughs> that was a moment. I think I heard later that, that that wasn't actually something the whole church was interested in. There was just like this one random guy that decided to do that. And like there were other people upset at him later. So that made it a little bit better. But okay, it still yeah. was just like. <laughs> that brings me some pleasure. Good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I have to give a shout out to Bessie Boo and Revolutionary Joe for trying to create a co- recording space. Like they got some blankets so and cool. set up like little corner to try and like cut down on the noise. Yeah. And I think that that probably did really help but it still was just a loud space because it's a community center. And like, yeah. that's what it was. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'm glad. I'm so happy with it. I want to go again. Hopefully there will be again. Yes. I will come to Minneapolis in October as often as they want me to. Yeah. Do we want to move on to Rex then? I think it's sure. about time. The Point, a.k.a. The Blizzard, The Tie, and The Voice by Fire Juggler written by Desert Neon, and this is a podfic that was created for Unique POV in that com that I had mentioned at the beginning of the episode. It's a Clint Coulson one, and it's one where, like, there's a blizzard, and Clint's power goes out, so he goes to stay with Coulson, who's got a boyfriend there, who, like, sounds a lot like Clint. (laughs) (laughs) And it's about them getting hit in the head with the clue bat of, like, no, you both like each other. And... I I don't know, like, having that thing of, like, oh, I was only attracted to this guy at the beginning because he sounded like you and playing with the voice. It just, it hits on, like, my podfickery feels because I definitely love a lot of people's voices. (laughs) That is another one that I would wreck. It's Clint Coulson, MCU. All right. I have two that are Star Wars. The first one is The Claim, read by Cece Rambles and written by Soth. And it is actually Huck's Renfick. It is a pretend relationship for insurance claim purposes fic, where <laughs> after everything is wrecked, they decide that they need to get insurance money for this, except Kylo Ren wrecked everything, and he's not technically part of the Order. But if you were married to someone from the Order, that would count. And apparently this is an age-old technique to marry uh, your lovely little Sith dude. <laughs> because Darth Vader was married over 40 times, once to Grand Moff Tarkin, all for insurance purposes. <laughs> so this is a comedy about going to an entire planetary system of insurance adjusters who are like, uh-huh, yeah. And everything is full of hijinks, and it is very fun. Cece Rambos uh, does this really dry, dry humor take of it. Which just had me in stitches at all of the most ridiculous situations they got into for it. Sissy's and great my, for that. I love her, yeah. like, funny podfix so much. Yeah. 
Uh, my second one is I Really, Really, Really Like You, read by Rena Jenkins, written by Not Casered. And it is a Finn Poe Ray OT3 fic where they are just so in love with each other and not doing anything about it. And you want to smush their faces together. <laughs> and it is just a prime and perfect example of that genre and that specific trope. And I loved it. So those are mine. Okay. So my first podfic wreck is in the spirit of podfication. A week after podfication was the Boston fan brunch. And Rita Jenkins was actually supposed to visit her sister. Didn't end up visiting her sister, but did end up visiting the Boston fangirls. So after our brunch, we all went over to uh, Schmaler's house and recorded some fics that have been released. One of those is Versus. Written by Unpretty and read by Ethel, Elaine of Shalott, me, Rena Jenkins, and Schmaler. And one of my favorite parts of that podfic is that, so the, the concept is that Batman and Superman find a duck, um, a little duckling. And it's just Superman and Wonder Woman trolling Batman to be like, you can't abandon it, it will die. And Batman <laughs> being like, what <laughs> um and so we like didn't plan this but when the duckling would peep elaine would just let out these little peeps and it was just really adorable and made the podfic really amazing and i really liked that and i also just like always love uh schmaler's voice for like narration it's just like has a really like steady rhythm that i really like and i think that worked especially for like the dry humor of this of like what the heck is going on so that's one of my wrecks my other one is Looking Forward by So Shy, read by Calicuria. And it's a hockey RPF fic that is basically Sidney Crosby doesn't get de-aged, but like little Sidney Crosby travels forward in time and meets Gino and like has to stay with him for a few days. And it's just super cute. And like Calicuria does an amazing little Sid boy because he becomes very distressed at various points because he's just like I'm no longer in Canada I can't call my mom I'm like this is a there's a large stranger I don't know what's happening and it's just like it's the voice is so pathetic and I like almost cried and I wanted to hug him and it was just absolutely amazing so for that I definitely wreck it and then also uh, it has like one of my favorite things in hockey stories which is where hockey players just talk about like yeah hockey is weird because it's just like, oh, yeah, you know that thing that happened to the Ben brothers that one oh, time? Oh, yeah, that's the best <laughs> trope. Casual, yes. magical realism. Bantam had a lot of that, too. It's a great trope. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy it. Okay, so that is our episode. Thank you so much for Zandapod and Isweden for being on and for being lovely faces at Podfication. And for Xandapod for making um, Hogwarts ties for everyone. Yes. <laughs> if, if, if you didn't get one and you want one, message me. I will send you one. Even if you weren't at Podvacation, I have a lot of extras. <laughs> oh, in a similar line, I made Oralphonic um, magnets and stickers. So if anyone would like an Oralphonic magnet, DM the Oralphonic account your address and I will send you one. I'll ship internationally. It's all good. So, yes, contact us if you would like swag. There was a surprising amount of swag at the con. Rena Jenkins made tiny little platypi for everyone. 
I've got mine with me right now. Me too. <laughs> so I guess goodbye until next time. Bye. Yes. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.